What's going on, everybody? It is your boy, Rockman3k3, and you are listening to another great episode of The Nerd Plate. The Nerd Plate! Listen, before we start the show, I just want to say thank you so much to my talented, my brother, my talented co-host, co-owner, co-everything, because... It's two dope boys to the end. Two dope boys in the Cadillac. We used to be in the Eldorado. Now we moved up. You know what I'm saying? Leroy Ketchum, thank you so much for holding the show down. I appreciate you, brother. Especially what we all going through right now. Um, my heart goes out to you. Shout out to you for having a great episode. And just holding down everybody. Uh, love the episode, brother. Uh, and I'm listening to you and Cole Jackson speak right now uh, on Government Name after I get done with this episode. Uh, you guys are hilarious. Um, but yeah, guys, uh, I'm back. Thank you again to uh, Leroy Catcher for holding on the show while I'm gone. Had a few things I had to take care of. And uh, yeah, we still here, baby. The Nerd Plate. And we get back to these regular episodes uh, next week. Um, but you know, we do it, like he said, I love. We do it with very little, you know, other than like our motivation and inspiration by you guys. And uh, we just try to do what we can, you know. I mean, he's out there doing what he want. I do what I can. That's our motto. <laughs> uh, but thank you again, Leroy Ketchum, man. I couldn't do this show without you. Uh, ever since you called me that day and said, hey, I got a plan for the nerd plate, bruh. You with it? I was like, yes. You know what I'm saying? Because I knew it was going to be a hit. And uh, he took his baby and he just ran with it. And I'm just here to provide, you know, support, you know what I'm saying, for the knowledge and just whatever I can do. So thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you for letting me be on your show you know, and thank you for letting me talk about nerd shit. So I appreciate you, brother. All right, so we're going to get into it today. First, mm, how's everybody? How's everybody's week been going? Good? Kind of good? Not so much? Sorry about that. That's my computer. Um, I'm sorry for those who haven't going so well. Um... You might ask, Rockman, how's your week going? <laughs> or past couple of few days. I gotta tell you, man, it's uh <laughs> whew. It's been uh it's been emo season for old Rockman 3K3. Uh shit's been going south. And I've been fighting everything and it seems like everyone uh just going through a lot right now. Uh and I, I apologize to everyone. Uh, you know, I'm doing what I can, but I'm still not making everyone happy, so, um, I, I just want to tell everyone, you know, thank you for listening to the show, and, uh, I'm still trying, I just got a lot going on, so please forgive me, uh, I don't mean to miss the shows, but sometimes I can't help it, just like Leroy, you know, same thing, He's he's got a lot on his plate right now, too, so again, I'm not trying to look for sympathy or anything, or woe is me, it's just... It's been tough for you, boy. Uh, I'm sitting here on Thursday. Uh, just to break the fourth wall. Sitting here on Thursday. Just got back from uh, Montgomery. Uh, you know, saw mom. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to her. Uh, we had some stuff we had to do. But I still love her. She still loves me at the end of the day. And that's all that matters. You know, took care of my uncle. And um, I'm sitting up here with some drink. You know what I'm saying? Just thinking about everything reflecting. And, um... Before I left my mom tonight, 
uh, you know, because I been stressed out. She's like, you okay? I'm like, yeah, just really stressed about everything and trying to make it. And I told her, I said, I'm not perfect, but I will try my best to do something great. And she looked at me and she said, I know you will and you already have, you know, and it's just awesome to have that kind of support from like day one. So, you know, shout out to moms. Thank you so much. My uncle who, you know, told me the same thing. You're going to make it. Put some money in my hand, you know. Shout out to him. Um, so, yeah, I, I just, it's been rough. But as I always tell Leroy and many others who ask me about the show, man, that's like the highlight of my week most times. Um, so, hey, you know, just, it's great. And uh, hopefully things pick up for me. If not, you know, I'm just trucking on through. I mean, I'm not going to complain too much about my life. I'm just going to say somebody probably turned on the medium settings on Dark Souls. So that's what my life is on right now. It's a little little tough, but uh, I'm going to get through it because I got to. You know, I'm a gamer. That's what we do. You knock us back down, I'm just going to learn from the continues. So (laughs) that's what we're going to do. We're going to learn from the continues. But speaking of continuation, legacies, traditions, trying again. Tonight... Guys, you're in for a special treat as I sip on my drink. What do I have in my cup? A little none of your goddamn business. <laughs> no, I'm just, just messing with you. It's just a little bit of blue drink. You know what I'm saying? That's all you need to know. Mm. A concoction I like to call blue magic. That's beside the point. Forget about drinking Rockman because he's drinking his problems away. Let's go back in Tom. Let's go back to a simpler Tom. I want to stop at the year 1999. Now, what's so special about this year? Well, MTV was still somewhat playing music. Uh, we were all still afraid of the Y2K bomb, which was dumb. I mean, well, not all of us. Computer nerds, we knew Y2K was bullshit, but everybody else just, like, took it and ran with it. I mean, companies made so much money off of it, it's ridiculous. But anyway... Uh, I'm not here to talk about all of that, or any of that. I'm actually here to talk about, can you guess what I'm here to talk about that happened in 1999? Give me a hint. Something that will live on infamy, that you'll never quite see again, and it's awesome. It had a revolutionary impact on the video game industry. What I'm talking about is the Sega Dreamcast. Now... The funniest part about the Sega Dreamcast is Sega Dreamcast was the first system to really have, I mean, it was phenomenal, but it was the first system to really hit the mainstream and really hit it in a natural way that we haven't seen in a while. Now, what do I mean by hit it in a natural way? Okay, well, Sega went through so many different advertisement ads not ads, I'm sorry. Well, those two, but I'll get to those in a minute. But Sega also went through so many different celebrities and, like, got them on board. It was crazy. MTV even had a special on it where Method Man played Sonic Adventure. I don't even know if Method Man remembers that, but it was awesome because he was just enamored with the Sega Dreamcast. And before you knew it, when the Dreamcast came out, everybody had one. Rappers... Uh, celebrities, regular people like myself. I mean, basically, you were nobody until you had a Dreamcast. Then it was just awesome. 
But also with the Dreamcast is the most versatile and the weirdest and quickest era uh, of greatness that gamers have ever seen because unfortunately it was kind of like the rise and fall very quickly over the span of maybe two, maybe three years commercially. And then it kind of survived through a Cold War type tactic, but whatever, we'll get to that in a minute. But guys, the Sega Dreamcast. Now, just to give you a little bit of backstory on Sega's uh, position at the time and how they came about Dreamcast. So, Sega was neck and neck with Nintendo from back in the Super Nintendo era and even the Nintendo era with Genesis and the Sega Master System and the Sega Genesis 16-bit and then 32-bit, all kinds of crazy stuff, right? Well, mostly 16-bit, I'm sorry. Sega, the 32X was meh. But, so mostly, Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo was hot beef. We're talking about, this was pretty much blood and crypts of video games that will live in infamy. There will never be another rivalry like Nintendo and Sega. Never. I mean, you can talk about the rivalry now, but they, they're working together. Nintendo and Sega would never have dreamed of working together back then. Back then, you were either a Nintendo or Sega household. Only really rich and bratty kids have both, but that's beside the point. I'm getting to that. So, back then, Sega had just released all types of systems. Now, when you talk about Sega's track record on releasing systems, Sega thought they could bring the Japanese... I guess time frame or timeline to America and what I mean by that is their release timelines or time frame like in Japan it was almost uh, second or very commonplace and it was almost like second nature for video game companies to release their systems every two years whereas in the United States we felt like you needed to give it life so you might have the system out but it has to stay here for like five years to really grow. Back then, yeah, about five years was like maximum growth. You couldn't really have it past then. Then people get clamoring or start clamoring for, you know, better graphics and better functionality, things like that. So, uh, when the, the Sega Corporation, they had just put out Sega Saturn. And that was kind of combat PlayStation 1. Unfortunately, didn't do a great job because, one, most of all, if not all the good games, only came out in Japan. Like, seriously, go look up right now Sega Saturn release in Japan versus the, what was released in America, and you'll be severely hurt. Especially when it came to all the good 2D fighters we could have had, and we didn't. Um, I'm looking at games like X-Men Children of Adam, um... The very first Marvel vs. Capcom, uh, all kinds of good. Well, yeah, because Marvel vs. Capcom, I don't think they even brought that here in the states. I think that was only in Japan. But anyway, Saturn had a lot of great games. Unfortunately, what they picked for the states was not ideal. Uh, you had gems here and there, like Magic Knight Rare Earth, the video game, which is based off the anime, which is really good, but super rare now. Um, you also had, uh, I want to say it's Dragon Force? Uh, Dragon Force, it was a very great RPG. You've probably heard of it, and it's out on eBay right now uh, for like $300. But it, it's pretty expensive if you find it. But it's called Dragon something. It was pretty good. It was like a tactical RPG sim, if that makes any sense. Like one of the few of its kind. Uh, Potful Mail. Um... 
Virtual On, which is great. I think that's the only Sega Saturn game that I own right now. I don't even know where it is. Probably in a box somewhere. Um, anyway, just a few great games came out for the Sega Saturn. So, of course, in America, it tanked because, well, people didn't care about the games it came out for. And at the time, PlayStation was still in a lot of people away. Um, I think Nintendo 64 had also come out, and Nintendo was still in people's way, especially with the four-player craze they had going, with Goldeneye, things like that. And so Sega was definitely losing the battle hard. As in, like, okay, we need a Hail Mary to get out of this, what can we do? And then, on the horizon, of course, Sony was talking about the PlayStation 2. And I think the PlayStation 2, I think it either was about to come out, or it got re Yeah, no, it was about to come out. Um... And so Sega's like, well, we gotta do something to. Uh, hold on, train's coming. I'm gonna let the train pass real quick. Okay, no, the train passed. So, anyway. So with PlayStation 2 on the horizon, Sega's like, we got to do something. We're losing to Nintendo and Sony. Um, you know, what are we going to do? Nintendo has their N64, and they're still killing it with the handheld market as well. Uh, you know, Sony is doing really well with PlayStation. And we heard they're about to bring it out too. So, at that time, a little old system in 1999 comes out called the Sega Dreamcast. And it was Sega's answer to all the modern crazy stuff out there and it was the dreamcast to me is like an embodiment capsule of the 90s because it was so wild and wacky so just to give you a heads up so i remember when i was uh what i was doing when the dreamcast was coming out of course i, I think at that time uh i was working at gamestop or just about to work at gamestop um and I was just like, yep, no, no, not yet. I was about to start working at Dreamcast, oh, yeah, at GameStop. But, you know, I was still like a teen. I was like, oh my God, the Dreamcast is so tight, so tight. Mom, I really want one. So she's like, all right, cool. We're going to get one. And so um, the commercials for it were great. I remember seeing some of They had, like, I don't know who did their marketing, but it was great because they would, they, did like a whole dance video where everybody's having a dance party and you see the virtual fighter fighters dancing with the NBA players and it was really great because at this time like Dreamcast was putting out realistic sports games now here's a funny story behind that so when the Dreamcast was first announced um, a lot of publishers played it uh, or tested it and you know what's funny and so this is how, and, and I guarantee you, if EA was smart, or if EA had a time machine, they would go back and fix that, and definitely make their games, make their sports games for the Dreamcast, because that's actually how you got 2K nowadays. So, when the Dreamcast first came out, EA said, ha ha ha, that's terrible, we're never going to put any of our sports games on it, uh, Sega is not a smart company, and they have plans for online, but... They don't want to give us any money for it. This is not going to work. In online console gaming, it can't It can't be done. It's impossible. So, Sega said, okay, well, that's fine. You won't make sports games for us? That's okay. We'll make our own sports games. 
and hence where 2K came from. Now, just uh, another reference to Sega had already done their own sports games on the Saturn, and I believe they had they had something else on another system, Sega CD or something. But anyway, beside the point. So. I remember everybody's like, oh, the system's going to fail, it's no good, whatever. And when the system comes out, guys, it was glorious. Mostly because a lot of people, like, for example, I'll never forget. So when I got it, my first two games were NFL 2K and Soul Calibur. And then I would get more on Christmas, but that's beside the point. Those were my first two games, right? I love that system because... NFL 2K was so good, and I want to emphasize, it was so good. People used to come in thinking a real game was on. And then when they found, even when they found out it was a game, they would sit and watch it. Like, oh my gosh, this is so great. And then they want to play. And then NBA 2K was the same way. And at first, when people heard about Sega not getting EA games, this worried all the sports fans until they played NBA 2K and NFL 2K. And when they started seeing, it was the little things that got them. Because the graphics were so good. But then they were also starting to see, oh my god, there's a ticker system. That was one of the first games to use an actual real ticker system that would show you all the other games that are happening in your season while you're playing with your team, which was great. It was phenomenal. Um, you built your own player. I mean, you just went through your career and you stayed with your franchise team, and it was great. I mean, that was back in heyday, but the Cowboys still good. We had people like Emmitt Smith, Ishmael, um, you know, just all. The, we still had Troy Aikman as quarterback. All the good stuff, man, and it was just it was great uh, playing that. So I wasn't even a sports fan, but I loved the way it looked, and it was so awesome. And so we had so many great games. Um, Soul Calibur was, of course, one of the best fighting games they put out for that system, aside from the game that would come out later, which you probably know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to get to that in a minute as well. Um, and it was, I just, I remember playing that so much, and I remember Christmas getting more games and playing those games. Uh, I can't remember exactly which ones I got at Christmas, but I got a few more Dreamcast games. So, oh yes, I do, I do, I do, I do. Fancy Star. No, 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 no. No, not yet. Not for Christmas. Oh, I remember when I got I got like I got terrible games for Christmas. Uh, my, my mom, because she thought she was doing something, and we were going through a rough patch. She had brought the wrong game, and I was like, this is not what I want. Um, but she fixed it later uh, in April, but she brought me Fancy Star Online. Now... Fancy Star Online people changed the game. Around this time, Sega was still talking about, hey, we're going to do online gaming, right? Now, mind you, this is the 1990s. 1999. Consoles had never yet been online, with the exception of X-Band for Super Nintendo and Genesis. If you don't know what that is, who looked that up? It was... Whew, it was rough. You had to have a credit card, you had to buy this cartridge, and then you had to hook the modem cord, which was uh, at the time a phone line cord, 
into the cartridge and then put your cartridge on top of it. And it only support like four games. I think it was like uh, Street Fighter 2, uh, Genesis, uh, Eternal Champions, and Mortal Kombat. And that was it. It was, But anyway, just look up X-Band. It had a very short lifespan. It did not work out for anyone. It was terrible. Anyway, Sega was talking about doing SegaNet, or or if you got a provider, which back then, guys, there was only five providers: uh, Netscape, AOL, uh, NetZero, and you can I think you can order directly from Internet Explorer. I think, but anyway, if you got NetZero, it was free. You just had advertisements, but you can also order the NetZero. I think light or something to where like you didn't have any advertisements. But anyway. You can, you had to pay for the internet service and then pay for a provider, which made no sense back then. But hey, they were gonna get their money somehow, right? Anyway, SegaNet. You bought SegaNet, which was I think I want to say thirty nine ninety five a month or some shit. And basically, you get a chance to play all your games online, and they give you like online. Now you're probably saying, but Rockman, you said. The phone line, like we have DSL and cable modems now. This is true. Uh, but back in the day, we had the good old 56k modem, and that's right. You know what happened to be in the Dreamcast? A full-on 56k modem. Now, here was the other kicker that they don't tell you about anymore: is that the Dreamcast also had broadband adapters. They're just super hard to find. Super duper hard. Like you're gonna pay a lot of money. But this was the, the around the time. That broadband was was beginning to be offered in in like regular houses. Like now, you know, you can get broadband internet or DSL pretty much anywhere. And if you live in the country, you can even get satellite. But uh, at this time, it wasn't a commercial thing, right? So I'm like, oh snap, this is crazy. Um, I wanted to get SegaNet, and Mom was like, man, I don't know about you playing online. I don't want you meeting strangers. You know, the usual. So I'm like, oh, come on, Mom. I really want to play this. You know, blah, She's like, ah, Okay. So my mom, being the sweet person she is, she actually got me my own phone line um, that I never used to talk to people. I just used to get online. And it kept uh, kept me from, like, messing up the uh, the house phone. Because I, I did, at first, I, try, I was like, okay, can I at least try, you know, blah, blah, blah. She's like, yeah, sure, you can do the trial. And I did that on the home phone, and then she got tired. She was like, oh, I'm missing calls. So, yes, that's right. Back in this time, when you were on the internet and you had to sacrifice your phone line, <laughs> the companies didn't make it to where people who called you would, you know, like, leave a message or anything like that. No, you didn't have that. You just got the ear, ear. And you just had to wait until the person wasn't on the internet anymore and then call them. So, mom's like, okay, that's kind of a problem for me. So I tell you what, why don't we just get your own line? It's not too much. It's not gonna kill me. And you just, I was like, oh, okay, sweet, thanks. So we played Fantasy Star Online, and guys, let me tell you, it was the greatest thing on earth. Imagine an online RPG that ran on 56k modem. All right. Not many online games did that. I mean, you had a few PC games that did it, you know, whatever. But, like, an RPG online and a, and a great, simple online RPG. 
it was it was the first RPG to be not MMO but just online RPG, which meant that like you and like three of your other buddies can get together and just play in like a lobby and just go through the same thing over and over again. But you went through action, you leveled up, you got different weapons, you took on quests together to get like special stuff. They even had it to where like during Christmas time, uh, you know, they had Christmas decorations around, seasonal items. It was just so much fun, guys. So, if you're doing stuff online with any of your games right now, you owe it to Sega. You can thank them, because without Fantasy Star taking off, you wouldn't have that. And, I mean, it was great, because back then, we didn't have voice chat. You had keyboards. So, I was actually playing on Dreamcast, and I got the Dreamcast keyboard. Yes, that's an actual thing. I actually do have one. And I have the Dreamcast mouse. Again, actual thing. Yes, I do actually have one. And, you know, you would just sit there. You would type. or you. It was so much fun. It was ridiculous how much fun it was. Uh, and we played it to, to like, oh, God, forever. Um, so, anyway, there's that. Um, another game that was very notable to me on the Dreamcast was a little old game called Shinmu. Now... Shinmu 3 is supposed to come out pretty soon, and I'll be the first to tell you, as much of a diehard fan of Shinmu that I am, it did not age well. I can tell you, Fantasy Star definitely did, because Fantasy Star Online 2 is coming out, and I can't wait! Woo! Xbox One's gonna get so much love for that shit from me. Trust me. Like, if you got any premium shit that I can buy, I'm going to buy the shit out of it, because I love Fantasy Star. Y'all just don't understand we begged and plead them like like we sent uh all kinds of emails petitions we wanted that shit over here for the longest and now they're finally bringing it to us i'm supporting that shit like it's going out of style i'm giving to it like i'm giving to a foundation you don't even know anyway but going back to shinmu um shinmu for its time back then was really awesome it explored a quick time event um, and it was like a, a very action drama movie. The problem was, is that for his time, the dialogue was like cool, innovative. But if you go back and look at it now, and I'll be the first to tell you, um, not quite as good as I thought it was. Um, what was really cool though, Shinmu was the first video game to introduce like a living, breathing world, and your character was just in it. Um, now, why do I say that? Well, because everybody had schedules. No lie, I still have, which the strategy guy is probably back at my home in Montgomery, but I still have uh, the strategy guy that used to tell me, okay, this person is here between these times and this time. Like, people actually had a schedule, and they actually did things. And so, you may not think that's a big deal, but back then, in a time where like you can only fit so many megabytes on a disc, because you know these were CDRs, they were not Blu-ray, they were not HD DVDs, they weren't even DVD. But in a time where like you know you could barely fit data onto a disc, Sega had found a way to make these complex, great games, um, and and that was one of them. Because I mean, you had real people walking around doing things. You can only find them here between certain times of day. Um, 
It was full-on immersed, like, fake part of Japan. Like, it was really good, and it had a really good story for the most part. Again, there's some dialogue that was just like, really? Really, guys? That's, that's we Okay. But, you know, at the time, you didn't mind it. But now, if you look back on it, it's like, mm, okay. Um, so you had classes like that. You also had a course, and I know uh, Lira right now is like, oh, why didn't you leave with this? It's uh, Jet Set Radio. Now, another very revolutionary video game. Uh, a long time ago when that game came out, we didn't know nor did we expect anything out of it until we actually played it. Because, man, like, you hear the premise of skateboarding, or not even skateboarding, I'm sorry, skating and graffiti, and you're just like, what? Like, nobody ever done that before. I mean, you had Skater Die, you had Tony Hawk, which was on its way out, but, I mean, these dudes were really sitting up here, like, okay, you know, we're going out here, we're going to graffiti, we're fighting the man, but we're fighting them with style and graffiti, and it was so great, it was, it was like a Japanese animation come to life, and that was the first time seeing that. Jet Set Radio, or in America, it was called Jet Grind Radio, was the first video game to use cell shading the way it did, and it stuck, like, cell shading from then on became a very stylized art form that only a few could pull off, uh, like Killer7, Automodelista, uh, Borderlands, which, Borderlands 3 right now, it's hot, go get it, um, but yeah, so they were the first to use it, and I mean, it was beautiful, you had great action, a great game with great mechanics, and it just happened to have one of the best video game soundtracks of all time. Period. Put that on everything. You think Fall Fantasy is hot? You think all these other like great games have great soundtracks? Nah, man. Jet Set Radio will have you dancing and playing at the same time. It was so dope. We couldn't get enough of it. Um, it was great. I remember playing that. And just thinking, like, it, it'll never get any better than this. And I can't wait for a sequel, because it was so good. So then, um, a few things happened with the Dreamcast. Now, a lot of people ask the question, you know, what happened? What unraveled the Dreamcast? Well, the problem with Dreamcast was, it was going up against, first off, the PlayStation 2, or Sony. And at the time in Japan... The PlayStation 2, even though it was a little bulky for the Japanese taste, could do DVDs and it could play games. And that was the first system of its time to have a video format and still play video games. While the rest of the system were just gaming systems. So it was the first system to be multimedia. Uh, in the true sense of having multiple medias in one. Not the sense of you know PowerPoint, multimedia, whatever. Uh, <laughs> you get it. Um... So, that was kind of a, a big thing for Japan back then, because in Japan, they only have a fixed amount of space, and so when consoles could do more, that meant more space around, more space for them to put other things around it. So, you know, naturally, the Japanese people started to gravitate towards that. But only because, because of that DVD player. Had the Dreamcast matched up with PlayStation 2, just barely, just, just basically on games... They could have taken it because their games looked a lot more polished and they had they had a lot of developers coming around at this point like, hmm, maybe we should put some games on the Dreamcast. Um, 
But yeah, that was the big thing is that a lot of Japanese developers started going to Sony at that time because PlayStation 2 was doing so much. Uh, it's the same reason why like you didn't see Final Fantasy 7 hit on Nintendo systems rather than it was on the PlayStation because at the time, uh, Sagaichi, which was the uh, director and I think creator of the first eight Final Fantasies, um, you know, he wanted to put like movie stuff in and the PlayStation could do that and Nintendo cartridges couldn't. And so you, you were looking at that. It's the same thing with Dreamcast is that Dreamcast had smooth graphics and they, they could process more and they had 128 bits. Now back then, that was a big deal. Now we know that means nothing, but that was a big deal back then because we the highest we'd seen is 64 bits at the time. And now you got a system that's doubling that. And it's like, oh my God, what are we gonna do? This is the best thing ever. Um, also another thing that made the Dreamcast uh, great is it was the first system to allow you to cross characters out or tag characters out in fighting games. Now, you might be saying, Rockman, that's not a big deal. I could literally do that in any PlayStation 3 game I wanted, PlayStation 2 game, and even, you know, PlayStation 4 games that we have now. Well, yeah, no, fuck you. That's great that you're just taking it for granted. But back then, to us, that was a big deal. See, in that time, uh, on PlayStation and Sega Saturn even, the only between those two systems, the only one that could do it successfully was Sega Saturn. See, what we learned is that the even the systems like PlayStation back then didn't have enough processing RAM to like carry out the switch out between characters and still run the programs. Again, like I told you, these discs only held so many megabytes. They didn't even get into gigabytes. And you put something like that in, well, the system itself has to be able to run that kind of RAM in order to allow you to. The Sega Saturn could only do it because it had RAM packs that you can install it later, those like expansion packs. Same thing the N64 did um, in order to give you uh, more game, like in Turok and a few others that used it. Perfect Dart was a great example. But in this one, right, going back to Dreamcast, it had enough RAM to where you can do Marvel vs. Capcom and Marvel vs. Capcom 2 without any problem. Oh, that was another one I got for Christmas. Marvel's Cap. Okay, so I did get a good game. So my bad, my bad. No, 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 I know where that, that whole incident came from. Okay, all right. So, sorry, Mom. Mom had me a good... We all had always had good Christmases. It's just I, I messed up the memories, but whatever. Uh, but I got Marvel's Capcom as one of the Christmas gifts. Um, and just being able to cross in and out is the coolest thing ever. On top of that, you were able to play four players cross in, cross out. So if you had four Dreamcast controllers and you have Marvel vs. Capcom, you could literally play with four players and cross out somebody, send them in, fight, and then they tag you. It was great. We did that uh, as a family. It was awesome. So, going back to that, but that was a big deal. So, it wasn't until the Dreamcast where like systems had enough RAM to where they could do that kind of shit. So, everybody had tag. Uh, Soul Calibur had tag, Marvel vs. Capcom, Marvel vs. Capcom 2. SNK vs. Capcom didn't because that's not, you know, that's, that's not how they do until they started doing stuff like SVC Chaos and a few other things. Um, they're like elimination ratio team kind of thing. But anyway, that was the coolest thing ever. And so, of course, going back to Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Guys... When that game hit on the Dreamcast, that was probably the most celebrated played Dreamcast game out there 
aside from Power Stone and Power Stone 2. Especially Power Stone 2. But Marvel vs. Capcom 2? Oh, man. So great. Um, I played that for hours. I still sometimes hook up my Dreamcast and play that for hours because I love that system and I love that game. Oh, my God. It's so good. Um... But yeah, that was another thing that made the Dreamcast awesome. But that's also what they were facing with PlayStation 2, is that, you know, it, it had a better processing unit. It was about the the same, because PlayStation 2 graphics card wasn't that great. So that's why the Dreamcast looked a little bit better. But, I, I mean, guys, it was... Oh, man. Um, but another thing that also led the Dreamcast to its downfall is that... So after a while, you know, first off... Thank you to Dreamcast because thanks to Sega and Dreamcast. Mm. I get a little bit more of this drink. Thanks to those two. Or thanks to Sega, really. Um we were able to see all kinds of games that would have never come out in the States. Um things like of course Jetset Radio, which was changed to Jet Grind Radio. Uh, it led Sega to try things because they have been so... So Sega of America and Sega of Japan have been so on different books with each other. Um, they didn't want to bring certain games to the States because they thought, oh, well, people in America wouldn't get this game. So, no, we can't do it. But the Dreamcast, oh, man, they tried so many things. Uh, the Gundam games, which are really good. Slave Zero. Uh, Armada, which I really loved. Um, I'm really sad that, like, Leroy... Lee, so that was apparently Leroy's... Every time we talk about this, that was Leroy's, like, first and only game, and he can't remember playing anything else really on the Dreamcast, which is so sad, because uh, it was such a great system. But, uh, you got that game. Dynamite Cop, which was really good from the guys who did Dot Heart Arcade, stuff like that. That's So in Japan, that's what Dot Heart was based off of, was Dynamite Cop. And then here in the States, they did, they had a Die Hard Arcade, but it was only on Sega Saturn. And then the one on PlayStation was completely different. It was a trilogy, so it, it gave you, like, three different ways of playing for each movie. Like, the first Die Hard, you played as Bruce Willis in a third-person action game. Uh, the second one, you were, again, Bruce Willis, but, you know, it was like a reticle shooter. And then the third one was, like, it was all taxi driving. So, you know, that Die Hard trilogy game on PlayStation did okay, but man, if we would have got Die Hard Arcade, it would have been great, because it also took advantage of quick time events, it was a beat-em-up, it was really great. So Dynamite Cop was more of that. Uh, they also did things like Zombie Revenge, uh, Resident Evil Code Veronica. Now, for a lot of you who didn't know, uh, if you look in the Capcom archives, Resident Evil Code Veronica was the real three. See, what happened was, <laughs> Capcom, you know, they loved Sega, and, they, well, they loved everybody at that time, they were still putting out good games. I mean, hell, Marvel's Capcom 2, Marvel's Capcom, they they were just winning with fighting games. They even had great ones that no one played, no one knew about, like uh, Plasma Sword, which was really cool, which was the new Gladiator, um, what was it called? It was either called Gladiator Sword, or Gladiator, I think it was... Uh, I'm not sure. I want to say it was Gladiator Sword. But anyway, it was called Pla or Gladiator Star. But anyway, it was called uh, Plasma Sword on Dreamcast. And it was the sequel to that game from PlayStation, 
uh, a new rival schools called Project Justice, which was phenomenal, and I do have that on bootleg. I'm going to get to the bootleg moment in a minute, because I know all you Dreamcast fans are waiting for me to talk about that, and I will. Um, guys, it was just, it was great. So, Capcom's just dropping gems right now on the Sega Dreamcast, and they're even going to put Resident Evil on there. Well, let's go back to Resident Evil 2. So, when Capcom did the Resident Evil for Sony... Sony liked the series so much, they said, hey, you signed this agreement where you only make a Resident Evil with um, with us after they did Resident Evil 2, because Resident Evil 2 did so well since it opened up uh, a little bit more of the ratio or a little bit more of the town. And so uh, Capcom was like, yo, that's cool, but they had forgot that they had sold the rights or started production on Resident Evil 3, uh, and on the on the uh, on the Dreamcast, which would kind of be a direct sequel because it talks about what Claire was doing after the events of Resident Evil Two. So, in order to combat that, um, uh, Capcom said, "Okay, well, listen, Sega, we can't call it Resident Evil Three, uh, but we can make it official." and storyline, but we'll just change the name. So that's when they came up with Resident Evil Code Veronica. Really, really great. Code Veronica X, that version only came out for PS2, uh, simply because at the time it was only on Dreamcast, and then they put the updated version on PlayStation 2 after the Dreamcast went out of business. But anyway, uh, very great game. Introduced a lot of cool things about Resident Evil. Um, it still had some of the flaws of Resident Evil, but the storyline was really good. That's why a lot of people prefer Code Veronica over 3. See, Resident Evil 3 and Code Veronica happened around the same time because... <sighs> Resident Evil 3 happens between 2 and Code Veronica X because there's some time that passes as Jill and then Carlos coming, whatever. But anyway, that's the whole fucked up timeline of Resident Evil. We're not dealing with that. But anyway, going back to Code Veronica, it was really good. Uh, it was one of the first Resident Evils to use the the meter on the little VMUs, which was also really cool. Hadn't even talked about those, my bad. Sega Dreamcast had these cool little virtual memory units called, of course, VMUs. But they weren't just like normal memory cards that went in your controller, no. Sega took it a step further and said, hey, all our games, as long as you keep the batteries charged, even if you don't, as long as it's plugged into the controller, has game functionalities that you can take advantage of. You can even, when you're not playing the game, take advantage of little mini-games on the VMUs, which they did. They had really cool ones. The only problem with those memory cards is that they used really cheap batteries, so they would go out almost instantly. Like, you may be able to play one or two hours of your mini game, and then that's it. It's dead. And you had to put another battery in just to use that VMU outside of the actual Dreamcast controller. Definitely was not worth it. A lot of people, after a while, just stopped caring about the mini games and started using the functionalities. Like, if you're playing NFL 2K, you can send the plays directly to your VMU, so the other player couldn't see on screen what you were picking. Um, Resident Evil shows you your your health meter the entire time you're playing the game, which I thought was cool. Um, 
and just like a lot of other games would show like little like little gaming icons and it would just show them running back forth or showing a little mini chibi animation of whatever you're doing on the screen it was really cool but anyway that was also really cool and uh it was hailed as one of the the best Resident Evils at the time because it was using the original formula and it looked a lot better. All kinds of crazy stuff. But um, also another game that was great on Dreamcast that people still talk about today and actually just had its own um, Grandia pack come out was Grandia 2, um, which was a big success for action RPGs uh, for Dreamcast. Well, RPGs, period, for Dreamcast. Because at the time, Dreamcast only had um, Fantasy Star and then a little old game called Evolution, which was really good. I enjoyed Evolution. Uh, I even played the second one, which was tight. But it was a dungeon crawler, like Tom Stalkers and all those. And people were getting tired of that because the dungeon crawlers, the problem with them was your characters would level up, and that was great and everything. But the the dungeon level always changed and even when you came back starting from the beginning while the enemies got easier and easier because you got you know more uh experience and you got more leveled it was still nerve-wracking because you can never just go back in where you start, or just have a normal rpg experience so people started to complain about that and sega was like all right well we're working on it uh how about grandia 2 you know and that was a long awaited sequel to the first grandia because Man, we waited years for that. And that was just like a hidden gem on PlayStation. So, that came out. Um, you also have Record of Lotus War, which is a really hard Diablo-type RPG. That was, oof. I have that on bootleg. Uh, that was great. Uh, I just, man, I I don't think I'm ever going to beat that because it was, it was pretty tough. So, now I keep saying bootleg, so let's dive into that. You might be asking, well, Rockman, what do you mean, bootleg? Well, what also made Dreamcast great and also terrible was the fact that it was open source to a great extent, a super extent. In fact, more open source than PlayStation's Linux at the time before they closed it uh, during the PS3 era. So, Dreamcast ran on a nice little operating system that was a super variation called Windows CE. Now, if you're not familiar with Windows CE, that's cool. A lot of people aren't. Uh, it was a literally, like, literally only a few people knew about it. That was something in the hacker community and, like, the network community. People were like, oh, yeah, Windows CE. But, like, the fact that Dreamcast ran on it is hilarious because, basically, what it meant was it was pretty open source, like to a T. Like you didn't even have to try most times. Uh, as long as you got a boot disk, you were fine. In fact, the bootlegging on that game was so bad when people found out about it. Like Dreamcast, I, I don't even think it really hurt the sales at all. Like it only sold more systems for Sega, but it, it created problems of like super piracy because you couldn't I mean there was no way for anyone to really know like I got so many games on bootleg uh like Power Stone 2 um god what was the other one that was on bootleg um god there was another one I had so many oh yeah Jet Set Radio or Jet Grind Radio got that on bootleg 
Um, there are just there are a multitude of great games that you can easily bootleg or pirate. Um, and it even got so bad that like even bootleg stores like the video game store in Atlanta uh, back in my like heyday, I remember they used to sell bootleg Dreamcast copies. Um, that became so prevalent that even when Sega announced they were ending the Dreamcast and they were going to stop doing systems and just move on uh, to just doing like software, the Dreamcast lived on for almost another 10 years just off bootleg games alone and people still making homebrewed slash like original video games for the Dreamcast and selling them and putting them out. Not making that up. That is a real thing. You can even find homebrewed stuff to this day. Like Pierre Solar. I don't know if you guys have played that RPG. Really great RPG. I bought that twice. Um, it actually has a physical Dreamcast release. Um, I really wish I could get it on my Dreamcast. Uh, but I don't know how much it is right now. But I, I, I should definitely look and see. Because I would love to try that on my Dreamcast. But a lot of games came out on the Dreamcast that you probably don't even know about because there's so much homebrew. But it was crazy. So, another bad thing about the homebrew, and or another good thing about it, it's like even canceled games that were basically ready when Sega canceled the Dreamcast, they released in the underground. Now, I have a theory that the original companies release this in the underground because that's actually how I got my copy of Thrill Kill. Uh, Thrill Kill, if you don't know what that is, that is a game, the first mature game by EA, which this is going to make you laugh, EA didn't want to get into the mature business and that was going to be the first mature game on the PlayStation. So they cut their losses at the very last second. We're talking about copies of this game went out to GameStops everywhere, but then they ordered them to come back. So what a lot of the creators do is that when stuff like that happens, they just put their game out on the, the black market, dark web, and on, at the time, Torrents and Morpheus or LimeWire, depending on what you were using. <laughs> and they put the ISOs out and your friends just knew how to like download them, put them on CDs, you know, and just you gotta have a modified system and you'd be able to play it, boom. But the Dreamcast was so crazy about modified games. I mean, you would even have self-booting modified games that you could play on your mod or not even modified Dreamcast on your regular Dreamcast. It was insane. Um, so I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but it, it was it was great because I mean it didn't deter me at all from buying Dreamcast games. I was still buying Dreamcast games. I just got a chance to have a lot of bootleg games. Um, it was great. I loved it, man. And I, I missed that system because it did so much for the gaming industry. You know, it, it started having online actual gamers. You know, it, um, it did a lot of cool things. Like, Seaman was such a great experiment. Seaman. Now, if you, <laughs> if you have not heard about that game, it is crazy. So, basically, you get a human-frog hybrid, the start or a human fish that starts off as a human fish and then it turns to a human frog. But you talk to it, and so at first you're just like, 
oh, okay, cool, you know, you just, it's making baby noises, it looks weird, all this other stuff, but then, a few days later, it turns into a full-grown adult fish who talks to you, and it came with this microphone and everything, you speak to a microphone, and it would learn words, talk back, or give you a response, it was crazy, that was one of the most innovative games in video game history as well, because that's the first time, like, AI communicated with you, and, you know, like, literally gave you feedback. And then, like, if you said stuff like Sony or Nintendo, it would block the screen at you or do stuff to you. It was crazy. And it was it was insane. It was insane. Much like the whole launch of Dreamcast. It was just insane. Because, I mean, other great games. I mean, there were so many great franchises that leaked onto other systems when the Dreamcast got canceled. Until, like, I mean, it was, I mean, Crazy Taxi. Which I really wish they bring back the Crazy Taxi series. They did three on Xbox. It was okay, you know, but like you you miss it. You want you want Crazy Taxi to come back. That was that was it turned from an arcade staple to a Dreamcast staple really quick. because uh, one and two were classics. Three, like I said, eh, it was okay. Uh, that one didn't work out well for Microsoft when they took it from Dreamcast because. When the Dreamcast died, Microsoft took a lot of their games. Like, the three companies that were still left, Nintendo, Microsoft, and Sony, they divvied up, like, almost all the games. They conquered it like Europeans conquering Africa. And Nintendo came back with the mascots, of course, and said, hey, we always had beef with Sonic, now Sonic's ours, and we're going to do, you know, justice to the game. Um, Sony and Microsoft basically took... The, uh, the sports games, and they were just like, yeah, you know, and, and, and Nintendo had the sports games as well, but they also took some of the more serious stuff, like Shinmu was delegated out to Xbox um, because they said it was more powerful and they could handle Shinmu. Uh, PlayStation got, you know, Fantasy Star, uh, well, it got more of the offshoots. It didn't, it's weird, it didn't get the original Fantasy Star online episodes 1 and 2 because Sega felt Microsoft and Nintendo would do a better job of that for some reason so they didn't put it on PlayStation 2 so that was an odd mystery they also put it on PC which also didn't make any sense but whatever and you know they just kind of went from there so I'm sure a lot of you are wondering because what are we doing on top oh, we're making pretty good time uh, but I'm gonna wrap this up so what cost the Dreamcast to really fail? Well, low sales. Like I told you, the whole PlayStation 2 craze in Japan kind of killed the sales. And then here, in America, they were having a lot of problems. So, Sega being Sega, you know, on top of them, um, you know, kind of still putting out stuff with Dreamcast and still finding their footing, well, they accidentally put in their, like, magazines, because I remember having Dreamcast official magazine, because that magazine was the true. It had demos that were out of this world. They even had video, like, music videos on those demos along with games. I loved it. If you don't believe me, look up quality control on Dreamcast demos. It happened. It was great. I never missed an issue of Sega Dreamcast. It was so good. Anyway, this, so a few things happened. Sega Dreamcast uh, magazine, put in the magazine, Dreamcast 2? Question mark, question mark, question mark. 
Sega, after two years of putting out the Dreamcast, they were already talking about doing a Dreamcast 2. Now, as you remember, in the beginning of the episode, I said, you know, Sega thought that they could bring that same mentality from Japan over to the States because their people bought, they game a lot more than we do. And gaming is a lot more serious over there than it is over here. Well, over here, we were just like, nah, bro, we just got the Dreamcast. Dreamcast 2, that's very quick. And what is it going to do that's different? And so, Sega, on top of announcing that before, like I talked about their history briefly, Sega had already had a lot of trouble putting out systems and then not telling retailers or giving them enough time to advertise and then just sticking them with shovelware. Because that's what happened with the 32X, Sega CD, um, the Sega Saturn, is that they all came out like year after year on each other. I mean, back to back to back. Like, Sega was just like, oh, we're just putting it out because, you know, people want these systems. But the problem was each system was like $200. And then, trying to sit there and connect all of them together to use them together was like, you're going to blow up your house because you had to have so many outlets to even fit all the plugs. Because, literally, the 32X, Sega CD, and Sega Genesis could all fit together, but you had to have AC adapters for all three systems. That's a lot of heat and a lot of power going into one faulty area. Crazy stuff, but Sega thought it would work. So, you know, it's sad because at the end of it, Dreamcast actually was a good system, but people were burned so hard with Sega 32X and Sega CD and Sega Saturn, they didn't give Dreamcast a fair shake and kind of ignored it for the most part. Even though it had strong startings in the beginning and strong follow-throughs with the celebrities. Because you would, if you watch MTV Cribs, if you go back and watch any of those old ones, like you watch Silk the Shockers, you watch... Uh, Red Mans, you watch all these other people, they'll tell you, like, man, you, you can't have a house with a, even though the cribs are fake, they're like, yo, you can't, it's not a house without a Dreamcast. And they did, they always point to their boys playing Dreamcast, because they were like, that's the baller system. But, you had stuff like that happening. Sega also had a really rocky deal with Kmart. Um, it's something along the lines that either Kmart ordered too many, or... Sega couldn't keep up with the production, but Kmart was sick of the relationship, and they said, fuck it, we're not selling Dreamcast systems anymore, and they stopped selling them. Now, this is a big problem, because at the time, really, the only places to really have a lot of them were places like Kmart, Walmart. GameStop got a good bit of them, but really only handled them for the most part for pre-orders, and then when they dropped down in price, you know, like... GameStop just sold through their their inventory, and then that was it, because they thought nobody would care about the Dreamcast anymore. Um, Which, sadly, they were kind of right about it, because, I mean, aside from those few good games, all the rest of the games on the Dreamcast were just like, "Mm, okay, it was hit or miss, and it was too much of that. Like, there's a game called Carrier, which is basically Space Resident Evil. Great game, just didn't change anything, and it was just very weird, and so I can... I can see how, like, they didn't make it on that game. Which, I, I think I have that. I'm not sure. But that game wasn't so bad. Um, but then they also seem to have bought some of the crazy games from Japan. Like, uh, I think it was uh, Blue Stinger, which was awful. That was the one my mom bought me, I think, for Easter. And it was it was terrible. I hated that game. 
that's the blooper. Uh, or that's the best up. Where, like, mom had bought that thing. And, oh, and she thought she was like, I hate this game. It's terrible. So, yeah. Uh, Blue Stinger. Um, a lot of other games that really didn't make it. Like, Evo. Um, it was just tough. But eventually, Sega said, okay, enough's enough. We've suffered enough on the system, guys. We gotta let it go. It's been fun. But we can't do systems anymore. And unfortunately, the Dreamcast, which was like the best Sega system, aside from the Sega Genesis, was unfortunately their last system. But, like I said, real gamers like myself and a few other people have kept it alive. To this day, you can look up a Dreamcast list and you'll see the game still came up all the way out to like 2013 and 2014. Um, and I mean, like I said, homebrew games are still being made for the Dreamcast to this day. Hell, if I can make Kingdom with Hell and put it on a Dreamcast, I totally would because that's fucking awesome. And I love that. And I probably will. If I if I can find a way to code it and put it on the CD and make it run for Dreamcast, I will totally do it. Um, but, you know, the Dreamcast, a lot of innovations. Um, it pushed the four-player uh, co-op thing, the four-player... Uh, Mo's much like how Nintendo 64 did. Uh, the VMUs were before their time. You hadn't seen anything like it since. Even PlayStation tried to like copy that a little bit with the little PlayStation um, or the uh, it was some some kind of small station. But you got it with Final Fantasy VIII. You, if you got the deluxe edition of Final Fantasy VIII, you got it. Or you can play a little Chocoboo mini game with a special memory card. But like. It was nothing like the VMU. The VMU was just so before its time. It's crazy. Um, what do I Rockman 3K3 highly recommend? You pick up a Dreamcast. Absolutely, because um, it's great fun and nostalgia. Um, it's great to see what we were playing in 1999 and seeing you know, how we thought games were going to be the future and how futuristic we thought they were going to be. How rad Sega was back then. Um, it's a great trip back down memory lane. I think it aged really well. Uh, the fighting games on it are still top-notch. To this day, it still has the best fighting game roster for 2D fighters. I don't care what anybody says. I mean, even Street Fighter had to release Street Fighter 3 only on Dreamcast because it was so good. And it was the only thing that could handle a good arcade port. Uh, I mean, and this is at the time where we had JAMA 3 and JAMA 4 arcade port systems. Again, some of you might be like, oh my god, what the fuck is that, Rockman? What are you talking about? But arcades and jam reports, it's, it's a whole history of them. Just go check it out. Like, we know because we had to deal with that. Uh, shout out to my boy, Matty P. He knows about that. And the arcades, you want a good arcade lesson, go holler at him. So he can tell you even more probably than I could. Um, but I, it was great. And, and I, I'm so sad because... I don't feel like you'll have another system as different or as wacky and zany as the Dreamcast is. I mean, nowadays with your, your PlayStations, your Xboxes, and your Switches or Nintendos, like, they're all, well, with the exception of Nintendo. Nintendo's always doing its own thing. You always know a Nintendo system because of the creativity and how weird and unique it is. But back then, you know, Sega had that same spark. Like, Sega could also do the same thing, make a very weird and innovative system, and you knew a Sega just because they did something weird. 
And that's the cool thing I miss because nowadays, and not taking anything away from Sony and Microsoft, I mean, they got their own thing they're trying to do, but they, Dreamcast didn't compete with anyone else by doing exactly what they did, just trying to do it better. They just did their own thing and said, hey, we're Dreamcast and here's what we got. And it was cool because you didn't see games like it. And for a system to be that powerful and influence the gaming industry like it did, so much so to where like even the other big three were like, yeah, we'll take some of the games that you made first parties off of. It really says a lot. Um, and again, if you look over in Japan, it still went on to 2014 2015 so for them it's only been dead for maybe four or five years whereas for us it was it was dead like a long time ago like years like almost a good 20 years ago but i mean it's a powerful system and it's definitely worth being some kind of hall of fame because everything it did impacted the whole game industry and i loved it it was great um I can't, I can talk about it for, for forever, but, you know, <laughs> I can't do that because this is the nerd plate, and, uh, you know, we just do episodes, little, little bit of episodes, and uh, I gotta save some for next time, guys, so, you know, this has been Rockman 3K3, uh, final closing note on the Dreamcast, go get one, uh, it's a big part of our history and culture as gamers, and I think it's important, if you call yourself an OG gamer, that you play it. Um, because it did so much for us. And without it, you wouldn't have a lot of the online stuff you see now. You know, a lot of things you're seeing, you know, Sega, with the exception of voice, Sega did first. You know, the keyboard and mouse, Sega. You know, all kind of cool stuff. So, I just want to take this time and say thank you, Dreamcast. Um, you know, thank you for putting us on the map. Or not even putting us on the map, but thank you for just putting certain ideas on the map. And thank you for giving us, giving us a guide to these new cool ideas. Because without you, you know, it wouldn't have been possible. Like, people didn't think online gaming would be cool on console. It would have never been done. And you did that. Because you went from, like, being the only system to do that. to now everybody else trying to do exactly what you're doing. Even Nintendo is trying to be online now. So, uh, thank you again, Sega. It's really great. I'll always remember Dreamcast. Still got mine. Still play it from time to time. So, really awesome system. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. Again, we're going to be back on it next week. Um, I just want to tell everybody, you know, I'm going through stuff, man. But I just want to tell you guys, I love you. And thank you for listening. Uh, I really appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day to listen to our podcast. I want to thank my boy Leroy, who's always with me. And we down, ten toes down, man. A1 since the beginning. Uh, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. And I uh, hope we have many other great episodes. So, if you guys enjoy this one, like, share, subscribe, comment, tell your friends about it, send us five dollars. I don't know, but also uh, visit us on everywhere: uh, YouTube, Facebook, wherever as the Nerd Plate. Even on Twitter now, thanks to Leroy, it is Nerd Plate uh, or at Nerd Plate. So you know, check us out. We're everywhere. Also, check us out on our Patreon, guys. You too can now support us, so we can get better shit going. Um, I mean, it's three easy tiers, man. $5 gets you access to, like, extra episodes. Like, we've released a few that, uh, you know, not even regular listeners or avid listeners have heard yet on there for our Patreon. So get on there. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Just $5 a month, 
and you can hear some exclusive content as well as like do some crazy stuff on there. We also got 15, which gives you a little bit more uh, options as well as giving you some options to contribute to the show. And then if you do $50 a month, guys, you pull it in that major weight, you get a chance to win something from my secret closet. Yes, now a chance. I am giving away a few things. You know, apparently I have a lot of games and I have a lot of duplicates of rare games. So, whatever. I'm going to be giving them away now because, you know, I probably never really sell them. And, you know, I, I would much rather you guys enjoy them than to make money off of it. So, you know, hey, for $50, you get a lot of stuff. Plus, you get direct feedback with us. And, uh, yeah, those are the tiers. So, go check them out. You can be a part of it, or if not, man, just send us comments telling us how much you love or hate the show, or just what we can do to improve, or what we can do to make you want to subscribe to us. Uh, but anyway, I'm rockpan 3 k 3 for real. I'm out this time. I'm going to go back to drinking. Uh, I love you guys. I'll see you next week. I'm out. rockpan 3 k 3 baby. It's the nerd plate. Forever. Thanks for listening.